Chapter 59 Fusion Experiencing the memories of another being was disconcerting, even more so when that other being was an elemental construct. The Scytherin's memories included tastes of bedrock, gravel, dirt, and metal, all those ingredients that could be found where it had been born. Sadly, they also contained memories of poison, pollution, and sewage, mankind's impact on the land and water table. The Scytherin had mostly experienced contentment, happy memories of expanding, absorbing energy from the ley line, creating new dioramas and environments. Delight and wonder, as it unlocked the ability to shape entire landscapes and grow crops that would feed its people. It was proud that it could protect and sustain those that entered its domain. The introduction and discovery of the Volar Fae, when they appeared, was a marked advance in abilities and intellect. Delving the memories of the knockers to unlock flowers, floor plans, furniture. The Scytherin was most content when it was creating. Creation was the stuff of joy. Being able to mold and adapt to the inhabitants' needs fulfilled an imperative that all Scytherins were born with. Learning that protection, secrecy, limitations were required led to adapting areas of the Scythern with deadly traps, brambles and thorns that could be called upon to rend and tear anyone or thing that would invade or attack. The Scythern was born knowing instinctively how to fold space, how to make the inside bigger than the outside, creating the doorway, a rift between dimensions that was layered in illusion was part of that inborn knowledge. A seamless tear in space that connected the outside world to the dimensional landscape that the Scythern had developed and deployed. Expanding as needed, transforming and establishing great sweeping acreage that allowed for flowers to burst and the Volar Fae to frolic. Hectares of arable land that was bursting with life. The Scythern was satisfied, sharing the gift of creation and life with its people, but always so lonely, always aware that something was missing, that it wasn't complete, whole, or perfect. Until I came and acted, and in my coming, affected change and supplied reason and conformity, shared my ideas, unknowingly as the Scythern read my emotions and thoughts, leaked bits of magic and blood. But it was when I shared winter, when I allowed my ice domain to become part of the Scythern, that that missing piece, that yearning the Scythern had held in abeyance, was finally fulfilled. There was no life without death. The Scythern understood that the concept of death was Intrinsic to creation, the nature of life and death was cyclical. The Scythern understood that one led to the other. But that relationship, that growth, had been denied. The Scythern was trapped in perpetual spring until finally, 
my blundering supplied the missing piece. The relationship between the life and death freed the Scythern from spring, allowing the seasons to flow and creating harmony. For the Scythern, when winter came, the trees and flowers would die or sleep, and in their death, they would release seeds that would grow and become more. The stored potential, that smallest flicker of life, waiting patiently for the right time, the right moment, to burst in voracious growth and once again claim dominion over nature. Until this concept was understood, the Scythern had been static, adapting only to the whims of those that visited. A perpetual spring where nothing ever changed. Flowers, trees, crops grew, and if not harvested, would not progress past that point. Trees were swollen with newly ripened fruit, crops heavy with produce, flowers overflowing with nectar and pollen. Everything was frozen at the moment of ripeness. That had changed. The Scythern and I didn't become one. The relationship wasn't the same as Carrots and mine. That would be unhealthy. The Scythern was the awareness of a dimensional pocket in space, intelligent enough so that it could be molded and grown into an entire world. But if we were tied so tightly together that we became one, the Scythern would only exist as long as I lived. The possibility for me to live forever existed. But immortality, that could be snuffed out by accident, taken from me in combat, was not true immortality. And if I somehow was killed and the Scythern and I had emerged, then it too would die. By not becoming fully bonded, the Scythern could continue searching for and establishing bonds until the universe ended. Our connection was more symbiotic. It provided me with a safe harbor. I provided it with direction and purpose. But if I died, the Scythern would continue. It would find a new partner and reshape and reform itself to conform to the ideals and requirements the new host would share. But... Until my death, our connection was unassailable. No one could steal the Scythern from me. As long as I lived, the Scythern and I would remain connected. Our relationship, no matter distance or time, would remain the anchor the Scythern required to find purpose. As I learned these things from the Scythern, reliving the moment it was given form and how it evolved, it learned from me. As it browsed through my memories, I discovered exactly how much more, how expansive those memories had become. I remembered the winter solstice, when I had my arm broken by Thom, and Duke Adoin intervened during my childhood. The Duke's actions changing the trajectory of my life. I remembered holding my first sword, being measured for my first set of armor attending classes in history and protocol. But most of all, I remembered the loneliness. I wasn't sure Jenny had done me any favors by scheming to draw Duke Adoin's attention to my circumstance. 
once Lord Kell had been forced to move me into suitable quarters, to include me in family meals and discussions, to hire tutors that were suitable for a seely child, the friends I had made among the staff began to distance themselves. That Jenny left the keep at the same time only increased my sense of abandonment and loneliness. The servants were still polite to me. I would say they even still loved me as much as they were capable. But there was now a clear divide between our stations, and they were loath to cross that line. I think they would have still taken the chance and risked maintaining friendship if Dom's bullying and envy hadn't been so blatant. The Scytherin shared with me those memories of abuse. Of Thom, using weapon practice to strike blows that left me reeling and in pain. To lead his sycophant into making jokes at my expense, belittling my weapons skills, when I, a new student, was unable to withstand the blows of a ranked knight his actions making clear to my tutors that the efforts they put in while educating me were a waste of time and would not be rewarded. Sharing these memories with the Scytherin for the first time helped lessen the pain and blur the immediacy of the life that Carrot had lived. The sharing made it easier for me to absorb and internalize the lessons learned. What Carrot had experienced over years of painful and bitter angst became a part of who I was, remodeling my soul, my memories, so that I was, finally, a true son of sea. The process completed, I looked back at some of my actions and how I had blatantly misstepped or insulted the ranked, my ignorance and actions ignored because of my own rank. A prince was a law unto himself, and instead of defying protocol and established norms, I was establishing new practices, as was my right as a ranked prince. One of the interesting things I discovered while those moments when I acted without knowing why, when the words to speak oaths, to accept vassals, to bind in brotherhood were clear and obvious to me, those incidents occurred because of the internal soul binding between Carrot and me. Those were the words of oaths I had learned. Our imperfect soul binding still managing to impart what was needed when the words and actions counted. It was a strange perspective, disconcerting as I relived those experiences and remembered my life. The me that I knew evolved. My identity changed as the Scythern and I relived my life. There was no grieving, no sense of loss, as the me that had been faded, the child of Earth, stepping back and allowing the Sea Prince to finally become. I became the person I was meant to be, the person I should have been when I reincarnated, and it was a relief. Finally understanding the shades of innuendo and subtext the sea operated under. The motives and actions that those around me had instinctively processed, but that I had failed to identify. Carrot and my relationship matured as I transformed. 
He had always been more than an entity that shared memories. More than a Google Assistant. That part of his role in our relationship was over. Now he could be a guide. A sounding board. A person that I could discuss and make plans with on an equal basis. Someone that I could trust implicitly to have no ulterior motives. Now that I understood the ramifications of my actions, I could act more effectively. Less blundering and flailing my own way through a situation. More thoughtful and intentional. My decisions made finally understanding the subtle nuances of sea culture that I had been ignorant of. The knowledge the Scythern and I absorbed was more than I should have had access to. But because Carid had been altered by S-Prime, his memories were more. More than his age should allow. More than awards should have been given. And those memories, that boost that S-Prime had gifted him with, also became part of the newly unfolded person I was. Memories and knowledge that a sea prince would need to navigate the political pitfalls and landmines that I would no doubt find placed in my path.